Hello and welcome to this Life Changes podcast. You are now listening to one of our Sunday messages. If you'd like to know more about Life Changes, you can visit us on Facebook, Twitter or Instagram. Now lean in and enjoy. Our series Jesus plus nothing and if you just pitched up a church you have arrived in the middle of a series it's like loving that had been running for three years and all of a sudden you don't know what's going on it's okay stay with us and and here's my encouragement if you are part of the life of this story and or new to this story jump into this amazing amazing book of Galatians sometimes we read the word like it's useful I want to tell you the word is far more than useful it is useful, brings life and clarity on some things. But if we are just accessing the word when we need an answer to a question or we have a challenge and we're running to the word to get our little pep talk for the moment or our Tim Robbins moment, I think we are missing the beauty. The word is there to take us to the beauty of relationship with the Father. The word is to facilitate relationship. The word is to keep come bringing us back to the wonder of his amazing grace as he pours out. And this incredible book of Galatians, I trust as you dig deeper and you are finding the truths and the nuances and the stories within the story, that the grace of God is being exploded in your heart at this time. Is that happening? Wonderful. We're going to read from Galatians chapter 3, verse 18. This is where we ended off two weeks ago. For if the inheritance depends, or last week, depends on the law, then it no longer depends on the promise. But God, in His grace, gave it to Abraham through a promise. Why then was the law given at all? It was added because of transgressions until the seed to whom the promise preferred, referred had come. The law was given through angels and entrusted to a mediator. A mediator, however, implies that more than one party, implies more than one party, but God is one. Is the law therefore opposed to the promises of grace, of God? (laughs) Winning today. Absolutely not. For if a law had been given that could impart life, then righteousness would certainly have come by the law. But scripture has locked up everything under the control of sin, so that what was promised, being given through faith in Jesus Christ, might be given to those who believe. Before the coming of this faith, we were held in custody under the law, locked up, until the faith that was to come would be revealed. So the law was our guardian until Christ came that we might be justified by faith. Now that is, this faith has come. Sorry, my iPad has done a strange thing. We are no longer under a guardian. So in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. For all who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Gentile, Slave, neither slave nor free. Yeah. <laughs> Let me start that one again. There is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Thank you, Jesus, for your word. Pray, continue to speak to us, continue to reveal, speak truth, God. Uh, uh, truth brings life, truth brings freedom. I pray your word would continue to speak to us. I give you glory, King. So here's the question that Paul asked, and it's, I hope it's the question you've been asking in this journey. Why the law? 
Has anyone asked that question? It's like, why the law? Why was it given? If it was such a challenge, and now they're adding it to the story, why was it given? Who gave it? All those kind of questions. Well, the real question probably isn't it who gave it, because God gave it. God gave it to his people as a gift at a time when they needed it. And we're going to contextualize that. But he gave it to Moses and the Mosaic law of 613 laws that kept his people on a journey. God gave the law. So we're not trying to say the law is evil. We're not trying to say the law is anything other than a gift that was given at a time for a season to God's people. So if we don't, un- but the challenge is if we don't understand it, the law, like many laws, when we don't understand it, they could end up killing us. It's kind of like a speeding law. You really only understand a speeding law that says 60 as you approach a corner once you approach the corner at 160. You really only fully get it once you hit the barrier on the other side and the challenges come out. And um, Paul says in Romans that the reason they stumbled into destruction, God's people, was not that they didn't pursue the law, but that they pursued it in the wrong way. Don't, it's okay if you're a little confused. We're going to read a few scriptures and explain. Romans 10 verse 3 says it this way, Since they did not know the righteousness of God and sought to establish their own, they did not submit to God's righteousness. Christ is the culmination of the law, so that they may, there may be righteousness for everyone who believes. See, the pursuit of righteousness can lead to chaos, actually, if it's in our own strength, our own ability, and our ability to pull off those laws. That's what Paul's fighting for. And so Paul, and in Galatians, admonishes us. He says, know why the law was given, and don't be bewitched into pursuing it in a way that leads to death, rather in a way that leads to life. We are on a journey to life. And I've said many times in this book, there is the climax for me. It is for freedom that Christ has set me free. There is freedom in the life that God gives. But we have to navigate these scriptures and say, well, why was the law given? And Paul tells us simply, as we read the scripture, he says, it was added because of Israel's transgressions, their sinfulness. It says people... Um, in, in their journey, as in the days of Moses, the people of God were about to become a nation, but they had this default. They kept on slipping into naughtiness. don't know about you, but I can do that, and I can see it in my kids very easily, often, that there is this default into naughtiness, and God was fighting for something. See, there was another nation called the Canaanite nation that were destroyed because of their extreme wickedness, and God knew that says they were destroyed in Deuteronomy 7. It was the Hittites, the Gergachites, the Amorites, the Canaanites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, the Jebusites. They were all destroyed by God because of their chaotic living, their lack of morality, and their lack of a compass in life at all. And at this time, when God's people, so God knows this. He sees what happens to the Canaanite nation. He's saying, I've got my people. We are separated by their sinfulness. There hasn't been the sacrifice of Jesus yet. So I've I've got to give them some boundaries. I've got to give them a way. I've got to give them a tutor. I've got to give them a teacher, a guardian, to lead them forward and make sure that they don't end up like the Canaanites because they are my chosen people. That's the thing we've got to understand. God, in His graciousness, had favorites. I don't know, understand it. I, I don't fully get it. I'm not sure I would preach it all out. But when I look at the Canaanites versus God's chosen people, God had favorites. It's in the Bible. How could he? And why would he destroy? And the reality is, there were no restraints. 
and the law came in and God gave the law to his people to give restraint so that, so that they would be avoided from the heavy penalties. You see, here was the law that was given, some of the laws. And so you can understand why people would maybe not go that way. For example, if you were guilty of idolatry, death, like that's it. If you were guilty of adultery and breaking up a family, which before the laws were given, they had no clue that was bad. That happened all the time. Just read the Bible. Death. God gives law. He starts leading his people in ways. He says, actually broke the Sabbath, death, and um, it had for a while the desired effect of morality coming into God's people and holding them in something of a line. But here's the thing. It was never intended for eternity. It was never intended forever. And so we've got to understand that because we live in an age that is completely different. This is Old Covenant, Old Testament, before Jesus dies and before we are given the Spirit of God who resides inside of us and we are sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. And Paul in the New Testament is writing to the Galatians people and he's writing in the context of what God has given that was good. He's saying he's not trying to demonize this and say it's bad. He's just putting in the context of where we live and the age in which we live and the power in which we have already been given in Jesus. That is Galatians. And the challenge is it's a little bit of work to be done. See, we do it to ourselves and, and sometimes it's helpful for us. I went on a, a cricket tour. From Durban to Cape Town, here's the thing, we got lost. It's a miracle. How do people get lost? But on the cricket tour, we discovered that this car that was given to us, this quantum bus by the university to go represent them, had a governor. I don't know if you've ever been in a car with a governor. And at 120 kilometers, this thing makes a noise like you cannot believe. It's like everything inside of you reverberates with pain as this thing starts. But here's the thing. At first, it hindered us a little bit like the leg between Durban and Peter Maritzburg. We were able to hold the speed limit. Then I can promise you for 97% of the time, from Peter Maritzburg all the way to Cape Town, this governor rang out because these young men of 19 and 20 struggled to keep it under 120. There was a fight in them to stay under the speed limit. I'm not bragging about it. I'm just telling you how it works sometimes. We struggle. And so God's speaking. He says, is the law therefore opposed to the promises of God? And Paul says, absolutely not. It says, is the, law, uh, is the law an enemy or evil or from the devil? He's saying, absolutely not. It comes from God. God gave it. God gives good gifts. But there was a time for it. The law was temporary, not wicked. There's a big difference. And um, verse 21, For if a law had been given that could impart life, then righteousness would certainly have come by the law. I know this is a lot of work and we're dealing, working with a little bit, but he's saying actually if the law, if that governor could have given life at any part to that car, it would have happened. If the law that God had put in place could give life, which it couldn't, it was just trying to preserve the life that existed. Keep them on a journey because God had a plan. He knew his son would come to die. So he was keeping his chosen people within some safe boundaries. We do that with our own kids sometimes. We don't go there, don't go there. The challenge is we learn that. And as adults, we think the law is this guiding line and the life comes from our staying within the lines. That's what Paul's fighting. Saying the life doesn't come from staying within the lines. The life comes from one, Jesus. Jesus. And Michael Eaton, who passed away two weeks ago, 
said this, the system of law was to last only until the coming of the child to whom God's promise was made. Now that Christ has come, no one needs the Mosaic law. We have Jesus, and Jesus is enough. Oh, Mark, that is scary. No, we're not throwing away civil laws. It's different. So we're not throwing away moral laws. They're different. We're saying the Mosaic law, that if we fight to now, actually you've got to be circumcised, you don't eat pork, you don't do this. Actually, if those things are holding us and we are finding life in that, we are missing the life in Jesus. And he continues and he presents it this way. And some of you are going to be very excited now. I'm going to read from the New King James Version. Some of you are like, we have finally graduated as a church. It's okay. It's good. It says, wherefore, what a great word. Wherefore the law was our schoolmaster to bring us unto Christ, that we might be justified by faith. But after that faith has come, we are no longer under a schoolmaster. Don't know about you, I spent some time in boarding school, which meant my parents gave my guardianship and the oversight of me as a minor over to teachers and housemasters who weren't that much older than me very often. But they delegated that authority to them for a season and said, those guys had a way of working with us. It was the language of shouting, the language of a cane, because I was still under that era. And those two things, along with a whole bunch of other fear, held me within the boundaries. It didn't stop us sneaking out of boarding school at two in the morning. It didn't stop even knowing the cane would come. We would still do it. And the Bible saying, actually, in that era where between Jesus had come and God wanting to sustain his people and take them on a journey and make sure, unlike the Canaanites who didn't quite make it there, he wanted his people to get there. He needed to give them a schoolmaster in good old King James language. A schoolmaster who would keep his people. And so the laws come along to navigate this journey so that his people could get to the life that is in Jesus. There was always an end point that was glorious. It was always Jesus. Jesus wasn't a plan B. Jesus wasn't, well, now we've got to do something, God, God, God. What are we going to do? Well, I think you, God, Jesus, need to go down. I'm going to stay. No. There's the love of a father that continued to beat, that hated the separation, and knew that a day would come when a perfect sacrifice would need to be made. And the schoolmaster that had facilitated God's people for so long would fall away. Why? Because they would be drawn into relationship with the father. It's the pinnacle. It's the pinnacle. The guardian. And, and there's two images used in this, in this amazing scripture. And I want to shoot through them quick. The first one is like we're in custody. It makes the statement that we are in custody. And the second one is that we are the guardians. I want to jump to that scripture just so that I can read it to you. It says, um, Before the coming of this faith, we were held in custody under the law, locked up until the faith that was to come would be revealed. So the law was our guardian until Christ came, that we might be justified by faith. It's a big thing. I've never been locked up. Some of you like, that's a miracle. And... Um, I've never been locked up, but I had a friend. I, I had the privilege of playing sports in England. I had an Irish friend who was chaos. I mean, when I say chaos, he was the naughtiest man I've ever met in my life. And, um, and I was placed in his life to help him, <laughs> I think. And um, I lived with him for a while, but he would keep doing crazy things. And the local police knew this. So they knew he wasn't a bad guy. They just knew he could get in trouble very quickly. So more than once while I was there, 
The police would see him, he would be inebriated, and they would take him and put him in custody. He wasn't arrested. He wasn't going to jail for the rest of his life. A safeguard had taken him and said, actually, this guy's going to get in trouble because he always does. And they put him in jail, in custody. Until he sobered up, he would wake up in jail, thank them, and walk out. It was very polite and civil, and everyone was happy, his parents especially. One picture, we are given custody. So in this period before Jesus, Paul is referring to saying, guys, we are no longer here. You were in custody. Why? For your good. So that as a people, you would make it to the time, unlike the Canaanites. Then the second picture is one of a guardian, like a schoolmaster, who guides us. See, guardians don't give inheritances. If you have a legal guardian, if your parents are unable to look after you, guardians don't give inheritances. They don't pour out love. They are paid by the state to look after a child. And I'm sure there are amazing people out there who pour their life and soul into guardianship. But unfortunately, there's also stories where it's not quite like that. And the Bible's saying, guys, why settle for a guardian who's looking after you for a time, will not give you any inheritance, will not take you like my boys at 7 o'clock in the morning when they didn't wake up and I go and grab them and I take them into my bed and hold them. Guardians don't do that. Fathers do that. And Paul is saying, why take a guardian and choose a guardian? Because here's the thing. The Galatians were making a choice. You're choosing a guardian over a father who takes a house and builds it by his grace. And the climax is in this. So all in Christ Jesus, in Christ Jesus, clothed in the righteousness of Christ Jesus, You are all children of God through faith. For all who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Gentile. Why Jew nor Gentile? Because there was a covenant with the Jews and there was no covenant with the Gentiles. But at the new covenant, all of that falls away. He says, neither slave nor free. Why slave nor free? Because before, under the law, slaves had no rights and free men had rights for days. And the law protected their liberties. But under the new covenant, we are all equal and we are of all equal value before the cross. Why? He says, nor is there male nor female. Why? Because men were circumcised and that circumcision was a sign of a covenant, which means the promises of the covenant flowed to man. And woman had no status, and God says, I'm restoring all things. I'm bringing back the kingdom of God. And Jesus breaks, and he says, actually, I'm going to go to a woman at a well, and in the middle of a crowd, I'm going to turn my back to Jairus, an important businessman, and I'm going to face the woman with the issue of blood after 12 years, and I'm going to choose her over him right now in front of everyone. Because the kingdom of God changes everything. And he says, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. If you belong to Jesus, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. See, sons have inheritance. And we speak about this word and most of you are looking at me like I've never received an inheritance. It's true in this life. That's why the gospel says, there's no way around it. Sat with a man the other day recently and and his, his head is working overtime, trying to work out the gospel. You, you can't work out the gospel. You were never supposed to. Yes, you'll be able to align some things. You'll be able to get truth, and truth will to sink. 
But you'll never work out Jesus, and you'll never work out the mystery why a father who had perfect communion with his son and the Holy Spirit in heaven choose to send his son to die. Why? To get orphan children out of orphanages, out of guardianship, out of schoolmasters and their canes, and bring them into his home and into his heart. That is the gospel. And he's saying, guys, I will fight this truth until all of my days. Why? Because the minute you keep walking back, the Jewish people kept on going back. Take us back to Egypt. But they've been liberated from slavery. Take us back into slavery. We have a default, unfortunately, that keeps taking us back into the slavery. It's a tragedy. Hours and hours invested. I've sat with people who were on the streets for years. They found freedom in life, but there's a pull that keeps pulling them back into that lifestyle. And I sit with addicts, and I'm, but there's a pull, and the pull keeps wanting to pull them back into that lifestyle. Why? Because in that lifestyle, we think we have control, even if it looks like brokenness. We still think we have a measure of control. And the gospel says, give up your reins of control. You're a son. Which means everywhere you go, you're not the driver in that car. The father is. It means every decision you make, still, you still have a father who is in control. You still have a father who is fighting for your future and your freedom. You still have a father who will send his son to pay an ultimate price for you. Paul's just fighting for the gospel. He does it by talking about Abraham. He does it by exposing the foolishness that we could sometimes live with. And sometimes he does it by exposing the law for what it is. A gift God gave to a people when they needed it. But you see, if I'm still holding on to the 16-inch bicycle I was given when I was seven and trying to get around on that, you quickly realize it had a lifespan. And Paul is saying to the people in Galatia, I'm fighting for your freedom. You've got to let go of things that became so intrinsic to your culture because on the other side of letting go, there's a father who has an inheritance for you. Now the slave nor Gentile, nor woman, nor man, nor Hebrew, nor Greek. It doesn't matter anymore. And I'm going to add you into a community, a community of miracles, a community of wonder, a community where actually there are testimonies of grace everywhere. And pull you into a story. Because at the head of that story is a father, not a schoolmaster with a cane, asking you to walk a line. We're going to deal with issues like what do you do with sin? We're going to deal with issues. How do you walk? And it's called life by the Spirit. Go and read about it. It's not complicated. It's the only answer we have. Dig our wells deep in Jesus. Find ourselves satisfied in the perfection of Jesus. And I promise you, I promise you, the allures and the calls and the voices that keep shouting to go back fall away. That is the gospel. Can I pray for us this morning? Father God, if some of those concepts and maybe didn't land, that's okay. I just pray one thing lands. Spirit of God, you are here. And what this book reveals, inside of every person, there is a default. There is a, 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 there's no neutral gear. We, we're either going backwards and falling back into slavery or we are throwing ourselves into the love of the Father. I pray, Lord, Would your word bring life? Would your word lead us to life? Would your word give courage to those that are feeling courageless this morning? 
to let go of their endeavors on working hard to please you and rather to receive the grace that you pour out. It might sound scandalous to some, but your grace is a scandal to many, and yet it's the greatest gift you've ever given, wrapped up in the blood of Jesus for those who would receive it and those who would believe it. I I pray, God, that even the things that are happening in hearts would allow the blockages of heads and thought processes and analytical minds to bow their knee before the glory of the King of Kings, not because of my compelling words, but because of your word and your gospel at this time. Do it, I pray, God, in our midst, and the result would be amazing. We thank you for every person this morning, added every story, every encounter, the coffees that have happened to make all of this happen, the, the, the conversations. We honor you, God, for your goodness to us as a simple people at this time. We give you all the glory and all the praise. Amen.